going to start in verse 4, Jeremiah chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 4, and we're going to just continue to let the Lord have his way. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, there's something, something in me. I don't know what it is. I don't know. But God, will you help me this morning to preach your word just the way you want it? And God, I'll get out your way whenever you want me to move out your way. I know you don't need me, God, but I know, oh God, I will do whatever I can do up until the point where you said you're ready to take over. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 4 says, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain? Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us? Up out of the land of Egypt that led us through the wilderness, uh, through a land of desert uh, and of pits, uh, through a land of drought uh, and of the shadow of death, uh, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt. uh, And I uh, brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination the priests said not where is the Lord and they that handled the law knew me not and the pastors who transgressed against me and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walk after things that do not profit wherefore I will yet plead with you saith the Lord and with your children's children will I plead for pass over the isles of Chittim and see and say unto Kedar and consider diligently and see if there be such a thing. Had a nation changed their gods which are yet no gods. Small g. But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and have hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Have your way in this place. Lord, we yield to your power and we yield to your word and we submit to you. 
Oh God, will somebody ask God to forgive them right now? Father, we have sinned and come short of your glory. Father, we have forsaken you and we've gone about our own ways. But today, God, we have come to say, please, will you be merciful and gracious and will you forgive us? For we have gone in our own way and have gone to do our own thing. We've forsaken you and you have not done anything to us. Lord God. Oh God, why could we do such a thing? Oh God, what made us do such a thing? We confess to you our iniquities and our sin and our unrighteousness. And we say, God, will you forgive us today? Will you forgive us today? Will you wash us today? Will you cleanse us today? Will you deliver us today and set us free by the power of the Holy Ghost and by the word of God? Will you let the blood be applied one more time. In the name of Jesus, somebody say amen. You may be seated. I entitled the word of the Lord today, the fountain of life. The fountain of life. The fountain of life. Oh my God, help us today. The fountain of life. Vaughn, the Lord is trying to do something, and we normally greet our guests in a different kind of way, but the Holy Ghost is just having his way. I greet you today, Vaughn, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you for coming and being with us. We appreciate you being here. If there's anything we can ever do for you in your walk with Jesus Christ, don't hesitate to ask us. We're here for you. You can just ask, and we will do whatever we can. Clayton, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming and being with us in our service this morning. And all of you, I welcome you into the house of the Lord, Christ-centered church. Thank God for you and for what God is doing. Eric, I'm proud of you. You did a, you made us all proud just from, you know, us knowing you as a little kid and seeing you graduating. It was just fantastic. You're awesome. And just keep on going. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, Ethan, it was a pleasure uh, to, to watch you graduate. I just thank God for what he's doing in our life and in all uh, our young people's life. God has been good to us, and so we should not turn and forsake him. Today we are celebrating what we call Pentecost, which was the day when God first poured out his spirit upon 120 people. Actually, he poured out his spirit, but 120 people received it when he first did it in the book of Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Uh, God, all throughout Scripture, his presence will strive with people and help us. You read throughout the Old Testament, you didn't read about the Holy Ghost, but you, you read the Spirit of God help them. The Spirit of God strived with them. The Spirit of God did things. And so we read about those things in the Old Testament, but man never possessed the Spirit of God. The, the Spirit of God was not in man. Man just worked alongside the Spirit of God. And, and, and so God had a plan, though, because it was always his plan that he would abide in us. It was always the plan. We messed it up in the Garden of Eden, but it was always the plan of God for him to be with us. The Bible says he stick it closer than a brother. 
brother. And what can stick closer than a brother than one that will dwell in you? And so God always wanted to not just be with us or among us, but he wanted always to become one with us. We need to become one with him. So it was always a relationship that would be intertwined. That's what God always wanted from us. And so on the day of Pentecost, his spirit was poured out and 120 people receive his spirit. And the way we knew they receive his spirit was because all the people that receive his spirit began to speak in another language that they've never learned before. So when we when they saw that, they said something is different and something is going on here. These people are speaking a language that they have never learned. And so they realized when Peter started preaching that that was what was promised. God had promised he would pour out his spirit. And so it was 50 days after the Passover that Pentecost took place. The night Passover for you that don't know, that's the night where when God's people was in, in captivity in Egypt, uh, Pharaoh held them captive and Pharaoh didn't want to let them go. And then Pharaoh pronounced that all the firstborn sons of Egypt, of Israel, the Jews would die. And Moses said to him by the spirit of God that what you have prophesied will be reversed. <laughs> Somebody help me this morning. You need to talk to your adversary and talk to the devil and talk to everybody. If you come against me, whatever you say against me, I command it to be reversed to you. That it will come back to you because that's what happened way back then was Pharaoh said, oh, guess what? Your firstborns will die. And God told Moses, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send a death angel through all of Egypt and Goshen and all over. But I tell you what, Moses, make sure you talk to my people and tell them uh, put my blood the blood of the lamb over the, the, the door and, and along the post uh, and when the death angel come through uh, whoever don't have the blood of Jesus uh, well back then it was just the lamb uh, whoever don't have the lamb's blood on the post uh, the firstborn son of that household will die because Pharaoh want to step out and be big boy I'm going to show him what big boy is and so when he prophesied that, God counteracted. And then guess what? The death angel came and every firstborn in Egypt, if they didn't have the blood applied over their doorposts, every firstborn died. Every firstborn was gone. That's what made Pharaoh finally decide, all right, I'm going to let him go. He was shook, as the young people like to say. Shook. Because he thought he was going to be the one to kill because he was Pharaoh. And when God destroyed every one of their firstborn, including Pharaoh's firstborn, he was shook. And so he backed off and sent them and, and let them go. But that was called Passover. Today, the Jews still celebrate Passover. Okay? And so now we move it forward. God always have a plan. Tell your neighbor, God always have a plan. Whatever is going on, that's not the end. Whatever is happening, that's not the end. God is working. And so God showed us all that stuff way back there because he knew he's working up to where he needed to get to. And so we know that as Passover. And so fast forward that 4,000, 6,000 years later, whatever the time is, you fast forward that and guess what? You heard about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? He did that during the Passover celebration. Think about how smart. I can't even call it smart. There is not even a word to describe God. Think about it. The time he freed his people by them applying the blood over the door posts. 
over the top of the door. He delivered his children from slavery way back then that way. And he made sure when he was going to come to this world and die for our sin, it would be the same time. Because God always have a plan. And everything is perfect and it worked just the way he wants it to work. And so we celebrate Easter or Resurrection Sunday, but that was for the Jews, Passover. But Jesus was ushering something that they didn't get with, which is, listen, the way you used to do things, Jesus Christ, who is God manifest in flesh, is going to institute a different way of how you worship. They didn't get with it, but thank God we got with it. And so we know now the death, the burial, and the resurrection was Passover time. Now here is where we are today. Fifty days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ was Pentecost. So here is what here is how it worked, Tone. So now it's 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 Passover and they're celebrating the Passover feasts. But what they did was they celebrated from the time uh, of the Passover till what they call the, the the weeks of feasts. So for fifty days, the whole time from Passover. 50 days later, it was all a festival, them celebrating, having a good time, thanking God for giving them the law. And so for 50 days from the time of the death of Jesus and the resurrection, for 50 days, they're celebrating, celebrating, celebrating. It meant, it meant everybody from every country all around was at that place. Because you know how we like to do whenever it's celebration, we show up. God knows what he's doing. And so celebration, they showed up. When they showed up, that's when God decided, I'm going to pour out my spirit now that I had promised that I would pour out. And I'm going to pour it out while everybody can see. All the people from every walk of life, from every nationality, from every background, they are here to celebrate. And so I'm going to pour out my spirit so they can see. I want this to be a spectacle. And he poured out the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, which only means Pentecost just means 50, 50 days after the Passover. So that's where we get Pentecost. And so today and every day, God's spirit is being poured out. God is pouring out his spirit right now. If you want his spirit and you don't have it, guess what? You can receive it today. Uh, Listen to me. Here is something that God has put into my heart real strongly that he wants to say to you all. Living for God don't work this way. You cannot determine what or how far God can go in your life. A lot of us are living for God and we are the ones that are determining how far God can go with us. I'll, 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 Okay, I'll give God this much of me, but I can't give him all. You don't say it, but that's what you do. And so we are trying to put limits on how much God can work in our life. And so now we're living for God, and we feel pretty good about it, but we don't want him to have total control. We want him to have some control when we really need him, but we don't want him to have total control. And so we're trying to live for God without giving God total control. And God will not have it. And so when God says, if you don't give me total control, then you on your own. Guess what we do? We forsake him. Yes, that's what we do. 
Because we want it. We know that God is good. We know that God loves us. We know God will bless us. But we still want to maintain a certain amount of control. I understand that in your regular life. But why would you not give God total control? Every time, let me, let me read this for you and go back to it so you can see it. Because every time I read, I, can't, I get choked up reading this, this text. Listen to this. Verse 5 in Jeremiah chapter 2. Choke me up all the time. Thus saith the Lord. What iniquity. Meaning unrighteousness. What iniquity have your fathers found in me that they have gone from me? God is saying, y'all walked away from me. What did I do wrong? That's really what he's saying. The almighty God that created everything, he, he had to stop and say, did I do something wrong while you're walking away from me? Did I do something wrong while you're forsaking me? What did I do wrong that you all just decide that you're going to go serve other gods and do other things? He is saying, he's pleading with us. What did I do wrong? God almighty is saying, what did I do wrong that you left me? I can't read that without even just feeling so terrible that our our God, our Father, the Almighty, got to say to us, what did he do wrong? We need to ask ourselves, why aren't we giving God 100%? Why are we content just giving him just enough, just so we can feel a little bit of blessing and our life could be all right, but we can't give him everything? God said... Am I unrighteous? My people, am I unrighteous while you're turning away from me and seeking after vanity? You know what vanity means? It means emptiness. He says, you're turning from me who will profit you and benefit you and love you. And you have gone after emptiness. You've gone after unsatisfactory things. I got to tell you, church. I don't care how much you think something will satisfy you. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care what it's like. I don't care how the devil framed it. I don't care what anybody says about it. I am telling you, the almighty God wants us to know that whatsoever we go after, no matter how much we think it will satisfy us, no matter how much we think we will get pleasure out of it, he is trying to get us to understand uh, we will never be satisfied. Uh, We will enjoy it uh, and we will like it, uh, but we will never be satisfied. Last week, pick up back on the conversation, I was talking with my son saying, him and I had a conversation. I'm like, when will we stop? Here is what I remember now, what we were talking about. He said, Dad, we got to go try these buffalo wings. Why, son? Because now they're garnishing it with gold that you can eat. I said to him, when are we going to stop? When are we going to stop? Like we, we, like we can never be satisfied. So now we learn how to cook. We can season our food. It's all good. But that's not enough. We need to put some gold seasoning on it so it looks gold and we can eat it. When do we stop? It, we will never stop because we can never be satisfied with things that God created us to have the rule over. The things that God create is ruling us. It means we will never be satisfied. Here is the deal. Everything in this world is dying and will cease to exist at some point in time. Everything. 
You know what will not cease to exist? We won't. Uh-huh. So here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get things that will cease to exist or die at some point in time. We're trying to get them to give us satisfaction when we will never, ever die. Uh-huh. Tell me, how does that work? You're superior to whatever you're trying to make your God. It can't fulfill you because you're more superior than it. You're more superior than gold and pearls and diamonds. You're more superior than everything in this world. So how can it ever fulfill you? The only thing that can fulfill you is Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one superior to you. That's the only one. So we can look high and low. We can search heaven and earth. We will never find anything to fulfill or satisfy whatever desires we have because we're superior to it. We will live forever. Yeah, this flesh will die. So when you hear about death, it's talking about this flesh. Flesh get old, flesh die. But your soul, it never dies. It lives forever. It lives forever. And so God, 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 is having trouble with us that we're forsaking him, meaning we're leaving him. As a matter of fact, if you go into what we read and look at it closely, God said, God said, he was so hurt. He said, go look at the heathen nations that serve idol gods. They don't even change their gods. Go read it. He said, they don't even change their god. They're, they're heathen nations. They don't, have, they don't serve the almighty God who is me. They're serving idols and they don't even change their idol gods. And y'all going to change me? You're going to forsake me? You're going to leave me to go do your own little thing? Me? For idol gods? And the people that are faithful to idol gods never leave their idol gods. Ugh. Listen. There's some people in our world Music is their God. What they say. I don't know how much y'all think deeply about this. I don't know anything about it, but I just know music becomes our God. And they talk about Hollywood and musicians that for them to go platinum and for them to become millionaires and billionaires, they sell their soul to the devil that's the Illuminati people. I don't know all about that. But all I'm saying is, you look at those You just go find me a musician that dedicated his life to music. That music has become his God or her God. Go show me them that says, oh, music, I don't mess with it no more. I don't mess with music anymore. Ah, yeah, that was what I did. No, music will be what they will die with. That was their God. That's what they worshipped. And they were musicians from the day they decided they're going to be musicians until the day they died. Music was their thing. When, when, when are we going to make God our thing? From the day we decide God is our thing till the day we die. Because if we don't do that, it means heathen people are doing better than us. And so God is saying, go look at Chittim and Kedar. Go look at that nation. They're a heathen nation. They don't change gods. So why are you changing gods? Why would we leave our God to go chase after our own gods? The God of 
money. The God of entertainment. The God of comfort. Uh, we like to be comfortable. The God of happiness. Uh, uh, uh. But they say happiness, it comes and goes. You won't be happy all the time. But if you have joy, you will always have joy. Uh. Y'all coming back around in my days. When I was about, I don't know, probably 18, 19. Yeah. No socks. Uh-huh. No socks. Go ask my mom. She know. She's like, Why, yo, your feet not going to smell wearing no socks? We didn't care if our feet was going to smell or not. We just made sure no socks. So we walked around. You know, our pants was a certain way. So when you look down, we had no socks on. I take it a little deeper. You know why we went no socks? It meant that you you sharp, but you're not trying hard to be sharp. It just means you naturally sharp. <laughs> Can I tell you a secret? One of my names, I had a lot of names. You know one of my names they called me back in the day? Bob, they called me Pierre. Pierre. Why did they call me Pierre? It's French. <laughs> the way I act, I act like I was French. <laughs> You know, the way I dressed, I thought I was a French dude, you know what I mean? So I just got dressed like I was French. I'm looking down here, I got no socks. I'm like, remind me back in the day. Oh, God. Oh, listen. I, what I tell y'all all the time? God gave y'all to me because I can relate to y'all in every kind of way. It doesn't matter what way you go. I can relate to you. I wasn't always the way that I am today. And so I can relate to anything you want to come up with. It's funny. Watch the young people do their thing. Styles just come back around. They don't, they don't go nowhere. They just come back around. I'm just laughing like, okay. And so God wants us to take a look at ourselves to say, are we going to forsake him and walk away from him and go find other kind of gods? Because we're not satisfied with God Almighty who created us. We're not satisfied. We're, lo- we're looking for more. We, we want more. And when you're not satisfied with God, it's going to cost you a whole lot. Verse 13 says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 says, For my people have committed two evils. My people have committed two evils. What are those two evils, Jesus? They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters. Pretty interesting that God called himself the fountain. God called himself this. The fountain of living water. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out. Cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold Two evils, forsaking the Lord, or as we said, turning away from him, who is the fountain of living water. And then the other thing is, we have hewn out, we have made cisterns, cisterns, broken cisterns to hold water. Cisterns are 
like a reservoir. I'm about to mess with you today. A reservoir for storing water. Cisterns are reservoir that when it rain, the water go into the cistern. Because you never know when you're not going to have access to water. And when you don't have access to water because of the rain that fall and fill up your cistern, guess what? You have water in the cistern. So when water is scarce, something wrong, you can go to your cistern and get some water out. As a matter of fact, if it don't rain a lot, sometimes they will carry water from the river or from wherever and pour it in the cistern just so they can have water stored up for the day's where water is scarce. And so cisterns were dug out of soft limestone rock. Because of the porous nature of the limestone rock, these cisterns often broke and became unsatisfactory for holding water. Because cisterns were broken, they would leak. They would leak out and the water would eventually dry up. And so there were times where the people would come back to the cistern, these reservoirs that's supposed to hold water, when water got scarce and they looked in to go get some water, and it was either almost dried out or it was dried out because it was broken cisterns. And so God said, you have forsaken the fountain of living waters and went over here to go hew out cisterns to store your water. What are we doing? God says, I am a fountain springing up. And we say, that's cool. But I'll go over here and store it in my own water, Jesus. How much sense does that make? He just automatically springs up. But over here, I got to hope it rain. Or I got to get my own water. First of all, I got to dig it out and make it work. So why do I leave the spring that will never end and come over here and get the water that is stagnant, that's really not clean, and may not be there every time I need it? Why would I get trade that for this? Why do we do that? Because God is trying to get our attention. Why do we do that? Why do we forsake God and come over here and create our own way of providing for ourselves? Create our own way to try to sustain ourselves as opposed to just going with the ways of God. And I'll tell you why we do it a lot of times. We do it a lot of times because we don't like God's requirements We don't like what God is requiring us to do for us to experience the fountain. God, I appreciate the fountain and everything, and I know that's real good, and it's better than over here, but you're requiring too much, so I just got to go over here and do my thing. And then God is saying over here, my requirements are not evil. My requirements are not unrighteous. My requirement's not going to destroy you. So why are you leaving me and going over here to work harder? 
Anytime you leave God to go do your own thing, you're going to work harder than you were supposed to. Anytime you decide that, God, I appreciate what you're doing and I thank you for all your blessings, but you know what? I got to go over here because I have control over here. It's going to cost you a little bit more. It's going to cost you a whole lot more. And by the way, you don't really have control over here like you think you do because you need the rain and the rain, God determined if the rain come. And also, those rocks and the earth, all things belong to to God. The word says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. You can't do nothing without God. So you think you're going to get your own thing going and guess what? It's still not your own. You're just making yourself work harder and be more miserable and be all kind of frustrated because you're trying to do your own thing. You've hewn out cisterns. Listen, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but listen to this. A lot of church people are cisterns. A lot of church people are cisterns. Reservoir. To store things. And you store it and it gets dirty. And you store it to the point after a while it just seep out. It just leak out. You try to store up stuff and it's not doing anything for you. We come to church and we hear the preach word. We store it up. We don't do nothing with it. We come to church and the Holy Ghost move on us. And we store it up and do nothing with it. And we stay stuck. Because we're reservoirs. We're reservoirs. We left the the, the fountain of life. We've left it to to come over here and be a reservoir. And you're trying to be a reservoir and still can't do that right. We've left the fountain of life to do our own thing. And so we come to church. Oh my God, help us. And so we come to church uh, being cisterns. uh, And all we doing is you hear me preach today. uh, And what you like, you'll take it. What you don't like, you leave it. uh, And you store up your stuff. uh, You store it up all in yourself uh, and decide what you're going to do with it. And guess what? Uh, When you decide, oh, today uh, I'll take some of that preaching I heard Sunday. uh, And when you go get that preaching that you heard Sunday, it ain't there. You know why? You're a broken cistern. We wonder why we're struggling. We're wondering why this is confusion sometimes and why it's so hard. Because you've been a cistern. You've been a reservoir. The fountain of life is not operating in your life. You're a cistern storing up. And when you need it, it ain't there. Because the cistern is broken. Oh. God didn't call us to be cisterns. No, that's not what he called us to be. God always took care of his. We got to realize, God says, I am your father. What kind of father you think he is? You think he going to let his children go without? What kind of father you think he is? You think he going to let his children not receive what they're supposed to receive? What kind of father you think he is? 
And we compare ourselves with people that are not living for God. We compare ourselves and God is saying, are you kidding me? They're cisterns. Are you kidding me? They got to work hard to get whatever they got uh, and it won't last them. Uh, but if you will stick with me, uh, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God uh, and his righteousness uh, and all the things you desire. He will add them unto you. Uh, you don't have to work as hard uh, when you yield to God. Uh, you don't have to work as hard uh, when you allow him to be the fountain uh, that will flow in your life. Cisterns. We've allowed ourselves to become cisterns. We're walking around as containers. Uh, and so oftentimes what we're trying to do uh, is go to the container to try to come up with something. Uh, and you know what? Uh, come on and help me, Holy Ghost. Uh, because what we do is uh, we, we get out of church. Uh, and because we're reservoir, uh, we're cisterns, but we're leaking. Uh, somebody asked you to help them uh, and give them a word. And you know what you said? Hey, you know, and, and the scripture said, um, um, I think, um, and you're trying to figure out because you can't get it. You know why? Because the cistern is broken and what you got in church, it started leaking out from the moment you received it because you're a cistern. You come to church and all you do is just be a reservoir. God wants to help us today. God wants to help us today. God wants to help us today. He don't want us to be a reservoir. He don't want us to be a cistern. He called himself the fountain of living water, the fountain of life. I'll let Brother White and I'll let Brother Tom tell you all about water. I don't have time to tell you about it, but you try going without water and see what happened to you. You can go without food for a longer time than going without water because God knows what he's talking about when he says, I am the fountain of living water. You need water. What they say, your body holds about, your body's made up of 60% or more is water. When God says, I'm the fountain of living water, he is saying more than you think and understand that he's saying. And so he's telling you, uh, if what you're doing is going to go get water and dump in or wait for the rain to get some water, he's saying you're out of order. You out of order. You out of order. We ain't supposed to be no cisterns. God didn't create us to be cisterns. From the very beginning, God has been our source. And we always forsake him for something else. God, what is it? Somebody need to do what I'm doing right now. Jesus, what is it that make us uh, make you second and third? What is it that make us, Lord, knowing who you are, but still seeking after things that we know is not better than you? We're making things a little bit more important than you in our life. Why are we doing that, Lord? Why? I know we have a fallen nature of sin, but God, once we come to know who you are, that you are the everything to us, why do we go back? Why? do we go outside of you? I feel like the Holy Ghost is telling me. I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying, you have piled on so much of your own way that you have stock, stacked up so much of your own ways that it's so hard to go to God because the only way you're going to be able to go to God is to just, just, just what they like to say, burn that bridge, tear down those idols, uh, get rid of everything to, to the place where you can't go back to them. 
but we've built up so much over the years. It's been there for so long that we can't help ourselves but to keep going back. And God is saying, until you get rid of all that stuff, you've stored up so much. You've got a fortress of stuff you stored up so you can't help but to lean on it. Uh, cisterns. No matter how much it get dried out because it's broken, you don't get smart enough. We don't get smart enough to say, this is not working. We just keep on going back to get more water. We just keep on saying, Lord, can you let it rain? We just keep on going back, getting more water to fill the cistern. Or we keep on asking God to let it rain just so we can have it. And we don't get smart enough to say, this is not a good plan. This is not good to last us for a lifetime. This doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm going to die before my time working so hard to keep this cistern filled. That don't stay filled. We're working all our life trying to keep this thing going. I want a good retirement. I want to have this. I want, oh, don't get me wrong. You need to have good retirement and you need to have that. All I'm saying is just keep your eye on Jesus when, with all of what you're saying. I want a good retirement. I want this. I want that. Keep your eye on Jesus. Let him be the source because I can have a good retirement. And as soon as I stop working, two years later, I die and I got a nice retirement. Where does it go? My children, Jordan already said to me, hurt my feelings. Dad, when you die, I just want the credit cards. Seven years old. When you die, I want the credit cards. He don't even know what he's asking for because you got to pay those bills, dude. What do you think? You just use the credit card and it's all right. These kids, man. But the point is, good retirement, that's great. All stacked up. Oh, good. 401 doing oh, all that stuff. Yeah, that's good. I don't know about your 401k if you're still working, but for some reason, I always took a hit the other day. You know, I check my numbers all the time. It looked like it went down just a tab. It looked like I wasn't getting some stuff going. So all y'all that know financial stuff, you know why stuff took a hit. But, you know, that's what happened with your 401k. It fluctuates, you know. You know, there's a season where it's not doing too good. There's a season where you, whoa, every month you look, yeah, I see something. The point is, we do want good retirement. But what I'm saying is we don't have control over how long we live. And if we get out of here right at retirement, we leave all that good stuff to somebody else, whether we like it or not. We do all that work to store up and provide for ourselves. And Jesus is saying, what about me, the fountain of life? The fountain of well the, 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 the water springing up. John chapter 4. I'm almost done. Verse 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. He was talking to somebody that was at a well. The difference between a well and a cistern is... A well has seepage coming from the bottom. But there are times when wells stop having seepage. And that dry up. And you got to go dig someplace else to see if that will have seepage so you can make that into a well. 
So well can be good for a while, but it also can be cut off after a while. Again, man-made stuff. We're trying to set things up for ourselves. So the cistern, you make it and fill it up. The well, you dig, and all of a sudden you see water springing up a little bit. It's coming up out of the ground. But at any time, that can be shut off. You have no control over it. And so the woman was at the well. You know about the story. And so she's trying to get some water. Jesus rolled up on her. And Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh up this water from this well, they'll thirst again. When you're dealing with cisterns, it's an act of you have to keep on going to the cistern. You got to keep on going to the cistern. <laughs> what did Jesus say? Jesus says, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him or her shall. It means you ain't got to go back. God is trying to help us. He is saying, you go to the cistern all the time to get your water. Think about back then how often they had to go to the well. Go to the well. They go early morning, afternoon, and evening all the time to get their water to feed their flock and to water to drink and water to bathe, all that stuff. They got to keep on running. Do you want to do that? This, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing in case you don't understand what I'm saying. Us Christians and those that are not Christians, so we, we, we keep on working hard to, to do what we got to do to keep living. And God is saying, what am I? Did I do something wrong to you while you got to do that? We're looking at God like he can't help us and we got to help ourselves. And his feelings is crushed. Because he's watching his children that he brought into this world. He's watching them struggle. Think about you with your children. If you watch them struggle and you know you can help them, it drives you crazy. It makes you frustrated. It hurts you to the core when you know you can help your children. But they won't. They just want to do their own thing. And God is watching us do our own thing. And he's hurt to the core saying, what did I do so wrong that you got to do all of that that I can just do so much better for you? And he's watching it. And we keep doing it. And he's watching it. But whosoever drinketh of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing just think, we, wrote, we, we read about the spring, the fountain that will be springing up. We read that in Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. Look where we are in the Bible. John chapter 4. You think God is not God? You think man got something to do with this? I don't think so. And so... He says, I shall give him, shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting, everlasting, everlasting life. This is why we can live for God and we won't die before our time. You forsake God, you're going to die before your time, running back and forth to your cistern. 
If we would just surrender to God, if we would just trust God for everything, we will realize how we will be able to move forward. And we will realize how easier life could be for us if we would just live for God. Here's where I'm finishing. Our soul by nature is like the desert. Or like a traveler wandering through the desert. It is thirsting for happiness. And seeking everywhere to find it. Our soul looks in all directions and tries all objects to get satisfaction. But no matter how much our soul looks for satisfaction, no matter how much our soul is looking for happiness, no matter what we turn to, it's vain. It will not profit us anything. It will give us temporary satisfaction, temporary pleasure. Oh, God, help us. But God says, if we will seek him and allow him to be the water, the wellspring, the, the, the fountain that's springing up in us, we will be satisfied and never want or thirst for anything. Listen to me. We have to change our mindset in how we deal and see God. We have to change our mindset. We're allowing our mindset to be a one of just not satisfied. Remember, if you become rich today, if you become rich today, what will happen to you? Will you still go to church? Or will you just go to church once a month or twice a month? What would you do? You buy the church? Listen, guess what? And probably show up every once in a while as a grand entry. Open that door. I bought this church. I haven't been here in two months, but I bought this church. Open up. Because we're not allowing the fountain of life to be our satisfaction. We're not allowing Jesus to be our satisfaction. I tell the Lord all the time. He probably don't. I'm probably not there yet. That's why they happened to me. I said, Lord, the only thing that will be different if I get rich. When I go to on the cruise, I want the best suite. That's it. Because what can I do? Can I take a three-week vacation instead of a one-week vacation? Now, y'all have stoned me. Yeah, the pastor got rich and switch. So, so, so what do you think? I'm going to go for a month now? No, I can't do that. As a matter of fact, I remember when I used to go back to Jamaica on vacation for a month at a time. That was before Christ. Then I get in the church, so I live for God. I can't do no month no more. Because I'm compelled within my heart. Because the fountain of life is the one that governs this life. And so in my heart, I'm just like, yeah, I want to go to Jamaica for a month. I can't do it. So I ask myself, if I get rich today, what's going to change? And I'm thinking, I thought about the house. And I said, I'm not getting another house. My kids and my wife don't want to hear that. But this is the deal. I'm struggling to cut the grass with this little house. I'm not an idiot, man. I'm not going to get fooled three and four and five times. I'm struggling to get the grass cut right now. Why would I want something bigger? So I could have to hire landscapers and more money. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that's more money. That you got to keep up with that. My wife the other day claimed she got some landscapers to come and help us cut. I said, where are the landscapers at? I don't know. I told them. I don't want to think about that. So even though I can pay them, I got to keep up with them. Yeah, and trust me. I need a simple life now living for God. I don't need a whole lot of stuff going on. That Those things complicate things. I don't have time for it. So you got to understand what you're all about. Are you going to let the fountain of life spring up in your heart? Spring up in your life? Or are you going to be a sister? Listen to me. When you receive the Holy Ghost and you allow the Holy Ghost to take hold of you, you will be satisfied if you let the Holy Ghost take hold of you. And will not have a sense of want or any distressing feelings. Listen to me. Stop stressing about stuff if you got the Holy Ghost. Stop being unsatisfied. What you don't have, don't even worry about it. Because whatever you want, God will take care of it if you really want it. Remember what I said Thursday night. God said in Psalms 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. If you ain't got the desires of your heart, you're not delighting yourself in God. He didn't say pray for the desires of your heart. Because you can pray for the desires of your heart, and you won't get it. You know why? Because those things that you pray for that God could give to you, he don't give them to you because they will take you away from him. Oh, young people. So here is God. This is where God is just so super slick. So God is saying, if you delight in me, when I give you stuff, it's not even going to be impressive. You're going to be like, yeah, whatever. Oh, that's a nice car. Yeah, not impressive. I like this. Yeah, not impressive. Because you're so focused. And you are delighting yourself. You're taking great pleasure and joy in the things of God. When we come into the house of worship, I take great pleasure in clapping my hands, in lifting my voice, in shouting, in running, in praising. I take so much pleasure in giving God honor that I can't think of nothing else. And when I get done doing that, what am I going to do? I ain't going to the mall to spend money after I'm done here today. I'm tired. I'm just saying, when you delight yourself in God, he will give you the desires of your heart. And you'll be like, you have it and it won't matter to you. It's nothing to think about. You got it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that on the second burner, third burner. Because I'm not using that right now. As a matter of fact, to be honest with you, I find myself and I wonder what this is all about. Don't come asking me, though, but I'm, I just got to tell him. I got to. Um, say this before I tell you this. Don't come asking. So this is what's going on. I find myself just giving away money lately. I, I told you not to ask me. So listen to what happened to me the other day. I was at work. And I normally don't do interviews anymore. Thank God he promoted me that I don't have to do interviews. I got people that do interviews. But it just so happened one day that I, I just wanted to help out. And I said I'll interview some people. 
And this guy came in, and he wasn't dressed the best way. And he didn't smell the right way. And I'm interviewing him, and I knew I couldn't help him. So I just changed from interviewing and just started talking to him. Can't help myself. And so I said, listen, if you're going to be successful and you're going to get someone to hire you, I started talking to him about the things he needs to do. He said, yes, sir, yes, sir. And I go in my pocket and give him some money and say, go to the Salvation Army and look for something that looks good on you that you can afford and buy that, and then you can go for an interview. And when you buy those things, how about you give me a call and come up and see me so I can make sure you look good and ready for the interview. I'm just like, I don't know this dude from a can of paint, and I'm going in my pocket on a job interview. I'm like, I just asked myself, what is wrong? I just couldn't understand what I was doing. And so I find myself doing this all the time. I'm just like, what is going on, God? I don't have money, but I just feel like I just got to do that. I'm just telling you that when you totally turn it over to God, you, you, you just lose control. You, you, you don't have control of what you're doing. I wish I had a lot of money, but I don't have a lot of money. But what little I got, I find myself giving it away. I want the fountain of life to flow in me. I don't want to be a cistern, and I'm not going to let a cistern run in my life. I don't want to be a cistern running to try to keep it filled, and I can't do it. And so God says, if you will let this Holy Ghost, if you will receive the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost have control, you will be satisfied, and you won't be having distressing feelings. You will stop chasing happiness in other things. We're chasing happiness in other things. What are you really looking for? God is trying to talk to us this morning and say, what are we really looking for? What is it that we, we're miserable about? What is it that we're unsatisfied with? And God is trying to help us to understand if you will get satisfied in the Spirit, in the Holy Ghost, in Christ, you will realize that everything else is just not that important. Amen. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to be done in a second. So you will stop chasing all that stuff. The Holy Ghost will be the fountain of life in you springing up forever in this world and the world to come when you receive the Holy Ghost. Now, I got to tell you this. We don't uh, we don't give we don't we don't rely on the Holy Ghost like we need to. We don't rely on the Holy Ghost. like We, 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 we don't give the Holy Ghost enough respect. We don't rely on him. John 7.37 says, In the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. you got to open your mouth to drink. See, one of the reasons why we might have ran away from the fountain of life is because, what are we saying? I don't really want to do that. So when I will say, if you don't have the Holy Ghost and you want to receive the Holy Ghost, I'm going to say to you, you would have to open your mouth like you're getting ready to drink and praise and, and, and give God worship and honor. And I'll tell you that. And you know what you do? You shut down. I can't do that. Amen. And you would just go back to your cistern. Shut down. Anytime I call, let's do this, let's do that. I can't do that. You're doing just like those people did back in the day. You're forsaking God for your cistern, broken cisterns. Don't let anything stop you from trying God. Trust me and believe me. 
again. I was the cool dude, Eric, when I came to church. And so for a while, I wrestled with my coolness in church. Don't want nobody to see me crying. Don't want to get the Holy Ghost and acting like I'm foolish. You know, I don't want to be all in the spirit going, oh, and people looking at me. So let me just try to maintain my composure and be cool. I did that for a long time, and I wasn't getting nowhere. I want to be an usher. They tell me, you got to have the Holy Ghost an usher, and I'm still trying to be cool. I want to be on the evangelism team, and I'm still, and I want to be cool. Get nowhere. And then I finally had to realize, Wayne, whether you look foolish or not, if you desire to be what God wants you to be and you desire to serve the Lord and do all the things you need to do, you're going to have to make up in your mind that however you look is how you're going to look. However you, I, I, I remember one time I cried in front of the whole church. I was miserable. Amen. I'm testifying one day and I broke down crying. I'm like, Lord, stop. Why you let me cry in front of everybody? But it had to happen. I remember praying and crying. I remember driving my car and crying. I'm like, why, Lord? But it was the only way for it to all work in me. Am I going to be, have the fountain of life springing up in me? Or I'm going to keep on going to the system? Which one is it? And the only way I was going to be able to have the fountains springing up in me is just going by the rules of what he wants me to do. And so if I'm going to drink water, i got to open my mouth and drink. You cannot drink with your mouth closed. Try it. spirit in us and we don't have it we're going to open our mouth and praise God it don't work no other way we want it to work some other way but it don't work any other way this is why it's important that when we come to church we can't be cool the cool days is over unless you want to keep being a cistern and so he says oh if any man thirst let him come unto me and drink he that believeth on me as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Uh, you can stay over there with your sister. And the waters are in me flowing out. I got water flowing out of me. And you can have water flowing out of you. And some of you do have water flowing out of you. Uh, but I am no longer going to the cistern. I'm no longer the broken cistern because I have the Holy Ghost flowing. But this... So he's clarifying it now. So all along we read the water, the water, the fountain. Now verse 39 says, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. This is in John. And so we turn to Acts chapter 2. Verse number 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. You can receive the Holy Ghost sitting or standing or laying or sitting in the car, whatever. It doesn't matter. And so where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were filled, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, 
and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What's our problem with the Holy Ghost? We need the Holy Ghost. And I want the Holy Ghost like the Bible says. Don't give me your opinion. I don't want no opinion from nobody. I'm reading. And don't tell me that was so way back then. I read the Bible that says God is no respecter of persons. So don't tell me he gave it to Peter and John and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and all of them. But not me. I thought God said he's no respecter of person. Okay. So if he gave it to them, he'd give it to you today. You don't have to worry about anything. Just drink. Got to open your mouth to drink. And so God wants to give us his spirit. Here's another example. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles, that's me and you, also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, it's a gift. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Jesus wants to give you that wellspring. And we have to stop. For those of us that have the wellspring, we have to start relying on the Holy Spirit to do some work in our life. We're trying to work on our own strength. And then we say, I know God will do this and God will do that. Well, God is saying, I've given you me. You're, I'm in you. But you got to release me to work on your behalf. Don't try to restrain me. Don't try to tell me what to do. Don't try to lead me how you want to lead me. Just let me work. So here's how you let God work sometimes. I've prayed this way. Father, I don't know what to pray. I don't. I, this situation is tough, but I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will have your way in me. In the name of Jesus, what I was trying to do, and I didn't do that on purpose. I can't do it on purpose. But when I say, God, I don't know what to pray, and I don't have the understanding of everything. But I need for the Spirit of God to take over. And when you let Him take over, what He begins to do is begin to pray through you. That's why this, the Bible says the Spirit will make intercession for you. And so there are days when you don't know what to do or where to go or how to turn but if you will stop and say God I need the Holy Spirit that well spring that is in me to begin to spring up and help because I don't have the answer I don't know what to do and when you pray and the Holy Ghost move in you guess what happens you get done and you feel peace you feel like I'm not worried anymore 
I don't know what's going to happen, but I could care less. Because the Holy Ghost just intercede on my behalf. The Holy Ghost just work on my behalf. And I don't care about anything that will happen. The Bible says in John chapter 14 verse 26. But the comforter. Which is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said. So the Holy Ghost will comfort you. The Holy Ghost will teach you. The Holy Ghost will give you remembrance. Why we messing up? Why can't we be comforted? Why can't we be taught by the Holy Ghost? Why can't we remember things? We're not letting the Holy Ghost work. We're doing what we want. And we're ignoring. Again, back to the original. My people have forsaken me. And so now we are even worse off than them because some of us have him in us. And we're saying, just chill, Jesus, chill. Don't move. Don't move. You stay right where you are, Jesus. Just, 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 just don't do anything, Jesus. We're afraid to let him come out. We're afraid to let him work on our behalf. We're afraid to lift our hands and worship. We're afraid to praise him out loud. We're afraid to give him the honor. We're afraid. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Why are we afraid to let God do whatever he wants to do in our life? Let him speak through you however he sees fit and let God work on you. Why are we afraid? The world ain't afraid to put their stuff on you. And you afraid to let the king of kings be magnified in your life? You're afraid To walk right, to talk right, to live right. Listen, let me say this before I totally close up here. Stop worrying about mistakes you have made that people have seen as a Christian. We have allowed ourselves to be in strongholds because people know that you go to church and you're supposed to be a Christian and you did something that probably wasn't Christian-like, and because of that, you get around them, and you're kind of quiet. You get around them, and you don't be who you're supposed to be. That is called a stronghold. You don't have to let that happen to you. All you have to be willing to say is just keep living for God. Be bold, and when somebody say, I remember you, let them go ahead and talk and say, yeah, I made some mistakes, but boy, oh boy, I'm doing pretty good right now. Why why are we letting them make us feel like we ain't real Christians? Because, you know, five months ago or a year ago or two years ago or five years ago or ten years ago, you did something wrong and you were supposed to be a Christian when you did something wrong. And now every time you see them, you go in your shell. No, you got the Holy Ghost. You got the Holy Ghost. And you need to tell them, I didn't allow the Holy Ghost to work the way he needed to work in my life. I made some mistakes. But boy, oh boy, I've been doing well lately. I've been doing all right lately. And God is helping me because he's in me. When are we going to get to that point where we can say that and not worry about what anybody... Because remember what I've told you. If they become critical of you, pray for them. If they become critical, you ain't... You ain't, you unrighteous. You did this. Pray for them. Pray for them. Because it means their spirit is not right. And if they stay where they are, they won't make it. 
We act like God didn't go to the cross, that we have an opportunity to repent. Why are we living like we can't repent? We're living like once we mess up, we are condemned and we no longer can go to heaven and we no longer can have a relationship with Christ. That's how we're thinking. Then the cross is just of no effect then. Now we need to go back in the Old Testament and live by the law. Come on. The Holy Ghost is supposed to comfort us. Uh-huh. And so when, when, you, when you feel uncomfortable, start praying until the Holy Ghost start praying in you. Start praying. And when you start praying, the Holy Ghost will pray in you and it will come out and you'll speak a language that you don't even know about. But don't even worry about it. That's the Holy Ghost speaking on your behalf. And when you don't understand things, just say, Jesus, you're in me. I don't understand this. Could you help me to understand this? And when you're trying to remember scripture, just say, Jesus, you're in me. Can you bring that scripture back to my memory? Titus 3 and 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing. The Holy Ghost renews you. And so if you've been in a bad spot and you've been in a funk and stuff like that, you need to pray until the Holy Ghost begin to pray through you. And when you get done praying and the Holy Ghost pray through you, you'll walk out of them doors today saying, I don't know what it is, but I just, I'm okay. You know, when the Holy Ghost begins to work on your behalf, all you know is I can't explain it, but I know it's all right now. I don't know what to tell you. I don't have the answer, but I know it's okay. Because you know why? The Spirit of God that prays in you and through you brings comfort to you to let you know. If Jesus prayed for you, what are you worried about? The Holy Ghost just bring to my forefront memory. Because that's what the Holy Ghost did. So, remember, Simon, Simon, Satan, has desired you to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail you not. You see how the Holy Ghost work? So what Jesus told Peter is, the devil want to destroy you. And he want to destroy you so bad that nothing will be left of you. He wants to sift you that you become nothing. Jesus said, but I've prayed for you that your faith, faith, key word, your faith fail you not. You know what it means? As long as you have faith, meaning complete trust and knowledge of who God is, the devil can't do nothing with you. That's what he's saying. He says, I pray for you that your faith fail you not. And if your faith don't fail you, the devil can try all he wants. He can do whatever he wants, but he can't do you in. So as long as the Holy Ghost, so while sometimes we, we don't know what he's praying, he might just be praying. I pray that your faith fail you not. Jesus praying on your behalf. I pray that your faith fail you not. I pray that your faith fail you not. And that's why you don't even know what it is. He can pray that prayer through you. And when you get up, you're like, it's going to be all right. Well, you know why you feel like it's going to be all right? Because Jesus might have just prayed. I pray that your faith fail you not. Which means whatever you're going through, you will keep on trusting God. (laughs) That's what the Holy Ghost will do. And finally... Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. 
after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Who don't want power? Listen, this is not taking any shot. I remember we had a governor. What was the governor's name before um, Christy? No. No, it wasn't McGreevy. Corzine. Corzine was rich, but he wanted to be governor. Why do you think he wanted to be governor? Okay. Our president is rich. Why would he want to be president? There are people that are rich and they want power. Lowly me and you. Let me go back and read this because y'all ain't understanding. But ye shall receive power. Y'all getting that? They got to become president to get power. They got to become governor to get power. They got to get some position to get power. They got to earn riches to get power. And the Bible tells me that if I receive the wellspring, if I receive the Holy Ghost, I will obtain power. That should make you want to sing. That should make you want to shout. That should make you want to praise God. Because power, that means when I walk in the room, I can go to the White House today and they can have all the dignitaries in there. Listen, listen. I might have had a little bit of confidence before I got saved, but man, I got off the charts when I really got saved and know who Jesus is. And I can walk in any room with any dignitary right now, and I will walk in with some kind of boldness, but confident, but still trying to hold it down, and they're going to know, who is that dude? Is he a, is he a, is he a, a, a governor? Is he some kind of senator? No! I'm a child of God with power! And all of y'all... Don't have no power. I got the power in here. And wherever I go, that's how I travel. I travel like I have the power. When I show up, uh, things can happen. Uh, It's all in me. Uh, It's all up to me. Uh, I'm not bragging because it ain't my power, but the power that dwells in me. Uh, He is in me. Uh, Greater is he uh, that is in me uh, than he that is in the world. The power is in me. And the power is in you. When you show up, it's over. I don't care what room I go into. I walk in like I got the Holy Ghost. I walk in like power's in me. I walk in knowing I'm in charge. I might not be the one in charge like y'all think, but I'm in charge. I got to use this as an example. Listen to me. This is my, I'm going to use this example. I remember I went to court one time with somebody. And I'm in the court, and I remember, I can tell this thing been chaotic, and I didn't like it. My spirit was grieved. I was in court, and I was sitting there. There was a little bit of stuff going on back and forth, back and forth. And I watched, and I watched, and I watched. All of a sudden, I sat, and I just got real, just said, I'm tired of this. And I started praying on my breath, in the name of Jesus. I mean, I laid down some tracks. I was really praying, because I was praying indignantly, because I was mad. And I was praying. And all of a sudden, the judge came and says, everything dismissed, we're all good. Because I was the one in the courtroom with the power. I had the power. Not the judge, not the prosecutor, nobody. 
I got to give you another one. I got to give you another one. That was one time. I drove down to Pennsylvania one time. Dude got DUI and he was on probation. He was supposed to get locked up. And I went to court with him and I'm sitting there. And I mean, the judge was just giving him a hard time. Your jacket is this and your jacket is that. And I can't believe this and I can't believe that. And you're going to have to spend some time in jail. And the judge laying it thick on the brother. And then all of a sudden, the dude said, well, I brought um, uh, this pastor with me. And, and as soon as I got up, I will not lie to you. Man, God has shown me something. I got up and I stood in that thing to go talk to the judge. And all of a sudden, I felt it. This peace came down in the courtroom. And all of a sudden, everybody started talking nice. I don't know what. No, I can't even take no credit. I'm just telling you what happened. But when I stood before that judge, peace just came in. And they stopped. They, all of a sudden, they started talking nice. And before you know it, the dude ain't do no time in jail. They just said, just go home and let's not get no more trouble going in your life. And they sent him home. No jail time because it wasn't your honor that had the power. It was Jesus. It was greater. He that is in me than all them that were.